Greetings. This is the 64th episode of LL Research's podcast, In the Now. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end, it has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, we respond to questions sent to LL Research from spiritual seekers like you. Our panel consists of the joyful Jim McCarty, the amazing Austin Bridges, and me, each of us a devoted student of the Law of One. Your questions allow us to explore the Law of One and related matters of metaphysical interest. Our only hope is that we can offer a resource that enhances your own seeking process. Please know that while we are indeed geniuses, our replies are not the final word on these subjects. We ask you to always exercise your own discernment when listening to us. And if you'd like to send a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for more instructions. Again, I am Gary Bean, and we are <clears throat> embarking on a new episode of LL Research's bi-weekly podcast, In the Now. Uh, Jim and Austin, are you there and ready? Both of those things. I'm ready to go. <clears throat> so our question this week was sent in by me. We're actually <laughs> not going to tackle a reader question. Instead, we get so much email from readers who write us and say, I am just so amazed that um, you guys seem to have mastered life. You have no issues or challenges or problems, and you're just, you're perfect, and how can I be perfect like that? Um, actually, no one has ever said anything remotely close to that. I was going to say, you're not forwarding those emails alone. <laughs> I hog them all for myself. So, um <clears throat> In today's episode, we'll make a departure from responding to a reader question and instead work on a question that I will pose to the group, and that's, what do you struggle with? Because uh, obviously we are living in third density and none of the three of us is free from challenges or blockages or difficulties or, or faultiness in perception or however you may want to perceive it. I know... Um, as I started to work on my own reply, I came up with a list of things. <laughs> so um, let's make it a little bit more personal, get us out of the abstract a little bit. Talk about ourselves. So let's start with Austin. What do you struggle with? Um, I struggle with going first. <laughs> <laughs> Cop out. <laughs> um I didn't prepare an answer because I actually struggled with answering this question, too. Uh, it's difficult for me to... Well, actually, that is sort of what I struggle with, is I think about how I'm coming off when I talk about myself. And it's really hard to talk about myself in certain ways because I'm always questioning, like whether people think that I'm being self-absorbed or like they're seeing some sort of flaw or some sort of something that I'm covering up when I talk about, especially my problems, they'll think, oh, he's just being self-deprecating because he's actually super proud and he just doesn't want to show it. One of my struggles is uh, 
being too cautious and caring too much about how other people might see me. And that bleeds out into a lot of places in my life. And uh, I could give some examples. One is my job. Um, people may know that I have sort of a unique job. And what you might not know is that people who aren't already involved or know about LL Research, I don't really share that with people because I'm so worried that people are going to judge me and uh, call me crazy for having a job where we claim to talk to aliens and share this information, spiritual information that supposedly comes from these higher dimensional beings. And I think that some of that is a valid concern. There are certainly some people out there who would judge me for it. I have friends who I think would um, probably think less of me for not only believing in such a thing, but dedicating my life to such a thing. But the fact that I care so much about what they think of me to the point where I don't even share with them what I do, um, that's something I struggle with a lot. It's probably one of my biggest struggles. And, you know, that's not um, just limited to my job. It's it's a lot of things. I don't share a lot of my interests just because I'm worried about seeming, um, I don't know, uh, an example is I recently started a website that I haven't told really anyone about because I don't want to seem like I'm self-promoting myself. So I'm just writing on this website and the only person that's really reading it is me and like two other people that have randomly found it. But, um, you know, none of my friends know where it is or what it is unless they've asked about it proactively. Um, I haven't tried to uh, promote it because, uh, I'm just worried about how I come off if I do that. So, there are plenty of struggles that I could uh, keep going with, but I'll just um, sort of generalize that one is I struggle with uh, overthinking how I come off to other people. And uh, it's been a pretty big struggle in my life. And I have plenty more to talk about, but I'll pass it back to you, Gary. Don't think you've gotten out of it quite yet. <laughs> um, all right, Jim, how about you? What do you struggle with in this life? Mm, well, um, since Carla's passing over almost two and a half years ago, I have struggled with the fact that she's not here, and that's been very difficult. And oddly enough, it's also made me miss Don more than I ever did when Carla was here. It's like I'm missing my uh, threeness, you know, we three. And I think back to the times when we were together doing the raw contact over at Waterson Trail, house and I think of how beautiful that was and how amazing it was and I think how in the world was I ever part of that was I part of that was that real and then I come back to remembering um, how it was uh, after Don was gone and how Carl and I carried on here in this house and uh, it had its own magic and it had a beauty to it and I finally learned how to become a mate, and uh, we learned all kinds of things in the last few years of her life when she was confined to a hospital bed, and then she passed on. And since then, well, you know, a, a good, a good, really good thing happened was after she passed on, I felt very inspired to move forward with my spiritual journey. And it was just like something uh, went off in, inside of me that uh, was a, a, a passion that I'd never known before. And that is the saving grace. 
because without that passion to seek and to serve and to learn and to become one with the Father, I wouldn't want to be here, uh, quite honestly, um, be, because the, the world without Carla has only got two dimensions. And uh, it's hard. But like I said, there is a saving grace. I feel extremely fortunate to have this passion inside of me that has carried me these last two and a half years. And it must be part of the reason why I'm still here, because I don't know why I'm still here, if not that. So that's uh, what I'm struggling with. And the way I handle it mostly is to follow that passion. You know, I, I keep myself busy from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I go bed at night. I don't ever sit around doing nothing. Um, I think that keeping busy has really been helpful in, I guess, basically keeping me from thinking about Carla so much. Because when I think about her, it uh, it hasn't changed in the intensity of the sorrow and the grief. But there is the balance of the joy of seeking. So that's the most important thing I deal with. Thank you for the uh, open and vulnerable sharing, Jim. <clears throat> Not only was your love for Carla great, but your entire life was built around and oriented toward her care. You, know, you were conscious of that one reason for living being to care for your loved one. <clears throat> and so not only was this source of love gone, but also uh, the reason that kept you going for so many years, and you've had to find new reason. And I've talked about this before, and it's a good opportunity to reflect now, if I may. Sure. And that's that uh, the you since Carla's passing has been an absolute joy to know. Uh, I knew you for, let's see, 2002 to 2015, like 13 years when Carla was here, and I've known you since Carla's passing over two years now, and this you is so much more full of uh, joy of life. You seem so much lighter. You're so much um, more open to social energies. you put so much more care into things you're less busy you're less hurried and you honor relationships more and that has radiated to me in austin and I, we are definitely not the only ones that have noticed that and it it hurts the heart to know that that there's an underlying sorrow that motivates this and a sense of loss and limitation but well, from an outsider's perspective, you take that sorrow and refine it into the gold of spiritual understanding. And that comes as a service to others, too. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm um, down. You know, I mean, when I think about Carla, I'm down. Yeah. But I feel very blessed. I mean, I feel like one of the most blessed persons on the planet, along with the grief. You know, I mean, it's really balanced. There's a balance here. Yeah, and you, you don't go about your days in a dour mood whatsoever. But at this this nexus in our sharing, you're, you're sharing from that place of sorrow. And uh, your gratitude is expressed every day. It's been 
I think you've been much more of a teacher to me since Carla's passing than before. I mean, I always looked up to you and Carla as uh, models in certain respects, but um, much more so now you seem you're so much more dedicated to your spirituality and you've allowed a lot of that which might be considered distraction to fall away. Your your focus is as pure as it's ever been. <clears throat> so you, I guess I'm saying you struggle. Of course, you walk your path by yourself, but not entirely alone. You affect others in your struggle. And I have not known that loss or limitation, but um, it just queued up for me a somewhat related struggle that I hadn't had on my list, and that's the struggle with planet Earth. And I think, too, that I would not want to be here if I did not have perspective, I mean, if I did not have loved ones, first and foremost, and then perspective, for instance, like that which the Confederation offers, especially in describing a new world being born. If I had no sense of a fourth density or the possibility that humans could build a better world and I just looked out at the planet as it is and saw its cruelty and ignorance and backwardness, I, I think I would just sink. I would drown in that ocean and think this place is hopeless. We are on a trajectory towards self-annihilation or enslavement or whatever the case may be. That's one of my struggles. Um, I, I'll dig into a couple more and, and keep the circle going and turn back to Austin. Um, one of the things I struggle with is a, a Blu-ray blockage. Uh, Ra describes uh, a fully activated and open Blu-ray as one that can accept communication from other people. And, uh, ooh, I have resistance there um, in terms of having a more limited range of that which I can accept when it comes to communication. Because communication is so important to me. It's um, one of the things I valued most in my adult life clear communication especially and i've been working on refining my own uh primarily through writing i can be an idiot when i speak but throughout my adult life but when i'm faced with an other self who <laughs> say is interested only in monologuing and um doesn't really need you your participation in the process but just wants to speak and in that speaking wants to kind of take energy from you because they need attention, I immediately feel my energy start shielding and I shut down and don't want to give that person attention. It it really gets to me. Or people, um, <clears throat> you know, I try to exercise empathy and understanding about where they're coming from, what their narrative is, what their context is, but I nevertheless have these knee-jerk reactions. Uh, people who speak disjointedly and... Um, speak in fragments and aren't getting what they're saying across. I have a heart. I want them to be clear. <laughs> uh, and um, communication, too, with my wife. And I respond to the words that she's saying often, <laughs> or what I think she's saying, to the, log the internal logic of what she's sharing, and it just gets us tangled. I wish I could be, I could listen to the emotion underneath, which is saying I'm hurt or there's something wrong or I'm in pain and so forth and respond on that level instead of listening to her actual words, which gets us into deeper conflicts and we escalate and we get tangled up into our brambles. And um, I think that connects to the classic, like um, 
men, women dynamic generally, or at least the principles, masculine, feminine, and being more left brain versus right or emotional versus logical. I don't know. That's very generalized, of course. But I have other things, of course, that I struggle with. But how about Austin? You got something else you'd like to share about your path? Um, well, going on this theme of communication, you, you're talking about communication as it is most uh, mostly understood and mostly really expressed. But um, I've been contemplating communication in the sense of when we become more conscious of the sorts of gestures and the ways we interact, not just sort of the words we're saying or the method we're using to communicate, but also just how we, uh, to link in with my previous answer, how we come off to people when we do something and when we become conscious of how we're affecting other people in the way that we do something. I think that I also have... um a blockage, not just in how I shared in that first answer, but um, in some very basic human interactions, there's a, a blockage inside of me that really uh, can be detrimental to my relationships with people. Um, and it used to be a whole lot worse than it is now. I have worked on it. A very simplified example is uh, sometimes with friends or loved ones, if somebody said something to me, like directly there in the room, I would hear it and acknowledge it and think about it, but like I wouldn't even respond to it just because their trigger inside of me to reciprocate something was simply not there. And even if I am consciously aware of there being a need to reciprocate something, it's like the energy to do so doesn't even manifest within me. It's sort of a, um, a dissociation where like my conscious mind is aware this should happen. You need to do this. But then my body just doesn't move to do it. There's no uh, energy within me that manifests due to that awareness. You do have stone face sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the stone face. Sometimes uh, I say I feel like a, a robot. And that's not necessarily because I don't feel anything. It's just because of the way that I interact with the world is a lot like a robot would. I'm like uh, internal process computation uh, sort of thing. But um, I think that's a, something I struggle with in that just tackling that issue because I am aware of how it affects people and how it affects my relationships and it's a difficult thing for me to um, to really get at because, uh, like I was saying, it's like the energy just doesn't even manifest. And so bringing myself to address this is um, it's an insurmountable mountain almost. As simple as something seems, uh, it can be just inapproachable um, sometimes. So uh, I struggle not only with trying to uh, deal with that, but also uh, deal with how it affects people and deal with my feelings, uh, the guilt that comes with that. And um, the, it's hard to uh, process that guilt when I, that motivation just isn't even there. It's like the guilt just keeps building because the guilt isn't even a motivating factor. It doesn't manifest that energy. So I uh, I have that issue in uh, communication as well, but more communication in general is reciprocation and gestures and things like that. It's um it, it's something I struggle with. 
I would love to hear afterward what your experience of MDMA was if you were to ever cross paths <laughs> with it. I think it'd be pretty amazing for you, especially. Um, Jim, would you like to share anything more about your own struggles? Uh, sure. Uh, returning to the mundane world, I turned 70 <laughs> this year, and for the first time in my life, I actually feel older, old. Um, I've had osteoarthritis in the joints in my arms and legs uh, for about a little over 30 years, and this year it decided to uh, ramp up. I guess it was in celebration of that 70th birthday. It's always been my opinion that my arthritis was kind of a, like a degree of difficulty added on to a normal life, which I probably chose so that I would be able, or yeah, be able to have more of a chance to polarize by dealing with it. And um, I'm dealing with it. Um, I've over the years, of course, I've, I've got a rheumatologist, and I've taken the pain medication, um, both internal and topical. But I found that the best uh, treatment for the pain is exercise, um, just by going out into the yard and working, uh, keeping the uh, joints moving seems to be the thing. If I sit for very long, <laughs> and I love to meditate, uh, I'm real slow getting up, because that's the... Um, the time when the it's called gelling, the joints uh, want to hold into position. They want to uh, calcify right there, and uh, they sort of do for just a bit. Uh, one of the things a doctor asks you when you go in to get a physical is that how long does it take you in the morning when you get out of bed to loosen up your joints? And they can kind of tell how you're going by how you're doing by how long it takes. So uh, my back has decided to, for the first time this year, uh, give me problems of being really uh, stiff uh, to the point of being sore, too. So I'm dealing with it, and my, my right hip has decided to pop in and out of the socket every now and then, and that'll wake you up. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it does it mostly when I get in certain positions when I do my stretching exercises. I know that I'm going to have to come out of this real slowly because it's going to pop. So um, I've got uh, alternative healer beat, which is... Beatrice is working on it. She's given me exercises to do. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm dealing with it. It's, it's kind of odd because I've, uh, all my life, I've uh, had a lot of energy to, to work with. And um, I've never really felt old, but that's changing now. So I'm, I'm dealing with uh, feeling older. You know, look out, gang. Here comes Dandelion. Don't touch anything. <laughs> that's funny. I thought you were more affected by arthritis when doing gym's lawn service. You seem to have more of that uh, tin man effect, tin man without oil. <laughs> yeah. Just freeze up in your chair a little bit more. But It's been progressive uh, since then, too. Um, circling back to what Austin started with, um, he and I have shared quite a few conversations on this topic um, about <laughs> being super reluctant to talk about what we do to somebody not familiar with the law of one. <clears throat> I get the same just massive sort of discomfort at the sense that I will be judged or rejected and it's just too far outside the box. And it's an, an interesting juxtaposition to Carla and Jim, Carla especially, who had no partition between the public and private portion of her brain, um, who was just who she was in any company and was had no qualms about saying, yep, that's what I do, I'm a channel. And so forth. And uh, Austin and I have speculated that maybe we came into the incarnation with this holdup 
as a means to bridge to those people who uh, aren't um, fully ready to be out of that closet, so to speak. And um, likewise, I have been crippled by perception of what others think about me. I, I marvel at people who just do not care and can walk outside the door wearing whatever they want, looking however they want, saying whatever they want, because that is not me. It is um, a background program that is running 24-7. But, and Jim, maybe you can attest to this too, I have, um, it's been in a long incremental um, progress to be more and more free of that. Uh, for instance, this most recent homecoming, homecoming is always a little milestone for me, a yardstick to see how far I've come. This past homecoming for me, I did a skit with uh, one of LL's volunteer moderators, uh, Jade, and um, before I never could have, I don't think I could have pulled that off because it, it took a little bit of me setting aside my nervousness. But that is a struggle. And um, another one of my struggles is a sense of of burden, of having so much on my shoulders. And even before there was objectively, even before my official work with LL Research, I had this sense of responsibility. I even went to a, a local intuitive counselor who had some pretty accurate things to say about me and other people who have been to see her in the LL world. And one of the first things she said was like, you carry so much responsibility. And I don't know where it comes from or why, but it can it makes life so heavy and I'm constantly have a to-do list in my head and all these tasks that are just constellating around me. It's like, it's like the, the, what I need to accomplish in this life. And it's from the small things like getting the grass mode to the incarnational objectives, I think is this constant weight on me. It's never, there's seldom reprieve or relief from it, except in rare moments, maybe. And so with that constant weight, like I'm pulling a heavy cart loaded with iron behind me and uh, then I think of another task I have to do or another few that seem outside of that and then it's sometimes it just becomes uh, I just feel myself creaking under the weight like a uh, um, like a, a ship or something that's been taken on too much cargo <laughs> and I say this with the caveat and disclaimer that I do not have children and when I attempt when I even for a moment imagine what it would be like to have kids I just <laughs> I bow in respect to those who do have children because objectively everything within my life is very manageable but subjectively the the perception of it is is a lot of heaviness and sense of responsibility and um that leads to a lot of fatigue too I get so utterly exhausted mentally maybe physically i don't know maybe spiritually sometimes i just feel like i my my gas tank is literally empty and i'm scraping the metal in it to to keep going and again that's just completely subjective uh relative to what other people endure on this planet i have very good circumstances um but I, i've got a couple more struggles how about we do uh, another one more round and see if you guys have anything more to share. Jim, how about you? <laughs> well, we're getting down to the trivial now. Well, my relationship with my cat Dandelion has taken on a new life because last April he was gone for a full day. And the only time that had ever happened before, he came back badly injured. So I was very concerned about him. I walked all over the neighborhood. I went to every house, knocked on the door, asked if they'd seen him, asked if I could look around their yards. Didn't see him anywhere. 
eventually I put up posters all over the trees and the telephone poles and uh, did everything I could think of to try to uh, get him back. And throughout the day, I eventually came to accept what I thought was a fact, that I would never see him again, that I wouldn't know what happened to him. And I was, you know, I'd, I'd cried a couple of times because, you know, I love that cat. I love all my animals. So at the end of the day, I had accepted the fact that I thought was a fact that I would not see him again. And just one more time, I decided right before I went to bed, I would look out on the front porch, you know, just for the heck of it. And there he was. I have never come from so low to so high in so short a time. It was like a rocket blast. And since then, it's very odd. We've, he's 11 and a half years old, so we've been together all that time. But it seems to me now, since he came back and I thought he was gone in April, that it's a totally new relationship. It's, it's, I'm so devoted to taking care of that cat, seeing where he is. Does he need food? Does he need to come in? I mean, uh, and then, I, you know, I, I try to take care of Chloe, his sister, uh, the same way because she got in bad shape when her third cat passed away. He was yowling and she was driven crazy by it and upstairs and angry and sad and depressed. So I've, my cats are a, a very big part of my life. I spend a good deal of time yeah. taking care of them. And uh, some people would say probably a little too much time. But I love those little guys and girls. And that's just the way it is. So... That's what I deal with. Among the criticism we receive is people saying, Jim spends too much time with his cats. <laughs> and we're like, we know. <laughs> so would Dandy be like the prodigal cat? In a way, he left and came back, and now your love is greater for him. That's right. Before. You know, I would say you've got it on the nail <laughs> on the head there. He was trying to squander his inheritance. Um, to give Austin a little bit more time, I'll break in and uh, continue replying to the question on my own. And posture is definitely one I struggle with, but that is neither here nor there. Um, I To get into deeper things, I definitely struggle with the heart, with love. Um, I have... My, my family background includes a lot of conflict, tension, fighting, arguments... Um, Members, especially on one side of my family, they are pro-grudge holders and um, they treat each other really poorly. And so that's part of my background milieu. And um, I always hate saying that word. And so I, I have, whether it comes from that or, or it's just part of my inherent makeup, I don't know, or I developed it. But I've got a very argumentative brain. And uh, I find myself in imaginary arguments and conflicts with friends and loved ones. Never ever Jim and Austin, of course. I'm always <laughs> <laughs> there at the top of my happy list. Um, and that, that interferes. That gets in the way. And it is connected, of course, to blockages in the lower you know, orange or yellow ray. Instead of thinking of seeing opportunities to serve or seeing the other self as the creator or seeing a moment to shine love... <clears throat> Regardless of what the other self is doing, Blu-ray, I am stuck in you know concepts of of uh, what that other person did or said, or fairness, or reciprocating, and things like that. And I think that's relating to someone from the orange and yellow rays instead of getting up into the heart, which isn't to say like I there aren't I don't have <laughs> compassion or I'm not compassionate. 
to people or I'm not understanding, but I'm often, instead of exercising that understanding that sees maybe where people are coming from, um, I'm reacting to what they say, often knee-jerk and often with some resistance. Though I have, it's transparent enough at least, or if the word is warranted, I have enough wisdom often to not express it and just watch it internally and give the appropriate reply um, as is needed instead of just being unconscious and and reacting like a bear all the time. But definitely heart blockages. And um, definitely, too, I struggle with a sense of not living up to my potential. Um, I know there is so much more available to the human in third density uh, from Ra's reports and from everything that leaps out of me when I read about the path of the mystic. Uh, and part of me yearns. I, I know with with sufficient and sustained focus and, and discipline work, we've talked about discipline. I don't mean discipline as into forcing oneself into something. But with enough focus and discipline and just, just work, um, I could get up into the, I could open up the indigo ray. I could do um, work on behalf of the creator, as Ra describes, whether that's healing or communication or just simple radiance of being, whatever it is, I could serve more powerfully and profoundly in this world. But instead, I live a good life and I do good work in consciousness, but I don't trek up the mountaintop to the mountain top. <laughs> I don't like really embark on the serious quest of the mystic because I distract myself. I, I seek gratification. I, and uh, often on the weekends, it's the form of like drinking. Sometimes cigarettes come into play and that's a bane of my, recurring bane of my existence. And not that those things are inherently negative in and of themselves or inherently distracting, but my relationship to them is and I and I don't and I'm not meditating consistently. I'm I'm sure this sounds like self berating and self judgment, but it's just an analysis of the situation that there are certain things that my heart yearns for and there are certain ways I'm not <laughs> um so actively working towards those things. I I get in my own way a bit. And if I'm not climbing the mountain then that must mean I, I don't want to right now. I'm, my being is where it needs to be and it's it's manifesting as is appropriate for my particular energy configurations. But nevertheless, it is a struggle, especially when I look out at the world and see how aflame it is in disharmony and conflict and, and brutality. And I think I could be doing more. I think I do, again, I think I do good work, but I could, I could definitely, that, that is a true statement. I could be doing more. And, and I'm often not because I'm seeking my own gratification. So that um, wraps up most of my thoughts. I have a couple, a quick one I might squeak in before we go. But uh, Austin, you've had some time to consider now. <laughs> um, well, we're going to have to do a show where we talk about our strengths to balance this out, I feel like. <laughs> um, like the list could go on. And I would just like to... Uh, assure the reader that this, at least for me, like these things are not things that like plague my life and make me a miserable person. But um, for the most part, I think I'm, I'm very happy with my life. But I think that the, one of the biggest struggles I have might be getting more into the mundane, but it's a pretty big barrier. And it might be related to the other struggles that I've talked about is this 
this desire to just be alone and by myself uh, always. And it really gets in the way of things like social obligations. And it can sometimes, not always, but sometimes read a little bit of resentment in me for just really minor things. Like if I am alone at my apartment and I'm just relishing and being alone and I hear my neighbor above me, there's part of me that's just like, you're not actually alone. You're surrounded by people. And that's just, this world offers you no chance. It's an illusion. Yeah, exactly. There's this world, this density, this this reality that you have come into just offers no chance to just be alone uh, for a little bit. And really, I am alone. There's nothing bugging me at that point besides somebody walking above me. But it's just this feeling that I'm uh, stuck not being able to have just the solitude that I desire. And um, that just sort of breeds this uh, resentment that can create this um, this inertia in me to to reach out to others and to um, connect with others because I just want that little bit of alone time that this world will not give me, even though in all practical means I have plenty of it and I could probably uh, deal with a little more social interaction than I actually have, but uh, it creates this barrier. It's some sort of imbalance or blockage in me that I just really uh, like to be by myself and be alone. That was worth waiting for. Thank you for uh, thinking that one out. Um, so that completes a third round. Um, I wanted to respond to something you said quickly and say that I have had struggle in the opposite of you in a sense of being cut off and wanting to be in community or with others. Though, nevertheless, different social blockages manifest when in relationship with others. But especially as I began my spiritual path, uh, which started at 18 years old, <clears throat> I went into basic or just before. Anyway, uh, I had I drifted away from a whole network of family and friends that now form an old world and an old life to me. But I was so uh, alone. I spent so much time in my bedroom, living with my parents, just kind of tucked away and felt such horrible pain. I felt like I was isolated and had been just abandoned, sort of. I don't know if abandoned is the word, but I was just like utterly alone on this planet and just was, wanted to reach out to people. And I had people I could call and hang out with, but there was no sense of connection anymore. And it was I was just adrift and it sucked hard. <laughs> that pain, I, I think, is still with me to a smaller degree, though. Relationship with Trish, my wife, is the greatest <clears throat> balm to that but uh jim do you have jim yeah jim do you have anything more to share about struggles no i think i'm pretty much struggled out <laughs> austin do you have anything more to share about struggles no i mean there's plenty more that i could talk about but i think i touched the main ones um well thank thank you both uh, i sprung this on these guys last night and um <clears throat> about doing the show around this question and and they were both down, fortunately. And uh, I think it's it's. I've enjoyed this episode. Have you guys? Yeah, it uh, didn't turn out to be as you know perhaps depressing as I had feared it might be. <laughs> it was a good self therapy session that we're sharing with the world. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I felt it was good to um, externalize my own processes a little bit, and I felt I got to know you guys a little bit more as well than 
is otherwise uh, happens in our day to day. And uh, on a final thought about struggle before um, Jim says adios, and that's that I, I realize that I struggle with struggling, mm-hmm. that my life, the circumstances that constitute my life are so favorable. I am so uh, uh, stupid, lucky, and fortunate to live the life that I do. And, and I recognize those blessings and I cry about those blessings sometimes. And I st- just like Jim reflecting on his part in the raw contact and his relationship with Don and Carla, I look back and say, is this really happening? Is this really um, is, is this really me? Is this a dream? And I know Austin has talked similarly about, you know, reflecting on his own life. But so in other words, it doesn't have to be as hard <laughs> as my mind makes it. But God damn it, if this planet isn't, whether it's the planet or me, I don't know, but this this life experience is not so hard sometimes. And, and it doesn't have to be a struggle. And I guess that's part of, of growing, realizing that... Um, Catalyst needn't necessarily be a struggle. That's part of maturity. But thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Jim, would you like to say anything to the listeners? Yeah, we want to thank everybody for listening and the questions you send in and for sending us love. And I hope that from the show you've gotten a real strong idea that we all have things we struggle with. We're all human. We're in this world to go through this struggle. If you look at the struggle as a means by which you can polarize yourself in a positive fashion, the struggle takes on a great deal of value. It's not just for nothing. It's not just to put you through the ringer and make you sorry. It's to help you along a certain path. Whatever struggles you've got is an indication of where it is that you can learn, you can grow, you can polarize, and you can be of service to others. And we will all bring each other home. I'll have a good two weeks or three, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> wow, that was, the, that was the perfect closing. Thank you so much, Jim. You've been listening to LL Research's bi-weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting this podcast with your questions, and a special thank you to... <laughs> this is the part where I fill in the blank with people who send in questions. So <laughs> to you, Gary Bean. I'll just pat myself on the back right here. If you'd like to hear us ramble on about a particular topic, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon Eastern. And if you're current with this episode, it's going to be a few weeks because Austin and I will be out of the office for a little while. Have a wonderful period of time. We'll talk with you then. <laughs>